You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Vegas 10 event, which takes place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Vegas 12 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a women's flyweight bout between Sabina Matso, who is 8-1, and one, and Justine Kish, who is and 7-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick notes here before we get rolling. First off, make sure you guys head over to CircusSports.com and check out the Circus Sports Million Contest and the Circus Sports Survivor Contest, both two outstanding NFL contests. Obviously, the football season is upon us. I'm super excited. I'm sure most of you guys that are listening to this podcast are as well. So don't delay. You only got a few days left to sign up for the contest. So head over to CircusSports.com and get all the details. Now, also, the opening betting odds that I will be quoting on this podcast are from Adam Martin on MMAOddsBreaker.com, the opening odds article for Watterson versus Hill. Those are the opening market prices, and I will be using updated odds from Circus Sports here in Las Vegas. So all the current odds that I will be quoting are via Circus Sports. So getting right into the first fight, as Brian mentioned, Mazo open minus 275, Kish open plus 235. And right now, looking over at Circus Sports, I'm seeing Mazo minus 245, the comeback on Kish at plus 210. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, more action coming in on the dog, but we are starting to see some chalk action back on Mazo as well. This is an interesting fight. I mean, I think the narrative here is, I mean, Mazo came into the UFC super hyped. I mean, she had a good background, of course, a lot of expectations for her, and then she kind of laid an egg in her debut. Now, of course, you got to give her some credit. I mean, the nerves, everything, stepping up to that level of competition in your UFC debut, you might not always perform up to par. We've seen it time and time again. So that loss to Morose was kind of a lackluster performance from her, and it was kind of a dud. But I, I tell you what, she bounced back impressively against Dobson, and then even more impressively, in my opinion, against Aldridge, because Aldridge is legit. So that was a telling sign for me, the improvement of Mazo from fight one to her third fight. I mean, just big leaps and bounds. She's a lot more comfortable. She's fighting a lot smarter. She has all sorts of tools and weapons, and she's got some length for the division. So she's a handful. And if she keeps on improving like she is, I mean, we could see a future title contender in Mazo for sure. Kish, on the other hand, I think has been a little bit up and down as well. I mean, her style alone is a nightmare for most, most ladies out, you know, in the UFC, because I think she, the pressure she puts on and the relentless pace a lot of times it's hard to deal with, but she does tend to make some mistakes. I think her fight IQ lets her down as well sometimes. And and then we've seen against Herrig and, and Kim. I mean, she's susceptible to getting taken down a little bit at times too and, and getting out grappled on the ground. And then obviously on the feet defensively, she's vulnerable as well. So there's some issues defensively for Kish, and I think Mazo can kind of exploit those. With all that being said, I think it's probably – 
a tough spot to bet at the betting window, laying about minus 245 right now on Mazo. But if the line drops to near 200, I think there's some value that opens up. So where it's at right now, I would probably stay away from. I wouldn't even bet Kish here. I'm expecting Mazo to get the W here. So I'm going to pick Mazo to win. Hard spot to bet where the current line is at. But if the line does drop down, there might be a little bit of value opens up on Mazo. Yeah, Mazo, as Nick mentioned, did lay an egg in that UFC debut, but it seems like she's turned it around uh, with those last two wins that she's picked up inside the octagon. Um, the, you know, the bright lights of the octagon aren't too shiny for her anymore. Uh, meanwhile, with Kish, um, she's just overall been a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, I know the losses to Herrig and Kim weren't good, but even before then, I didn't think she looked that good against... Uh, Ashley Yoder. I didn't think she looked that good against Ansaroff uh, before Ansaroff really became a player. And then most recently, yeah, she did get a win against Pudalova, but you know, that's not exactly a world beater. She was fighting either. Um, you know, my main issue with Kish is, you know, she's got some talent, but she just doesn't seem like she's pulling the trigger enough. She doesn't push a high enough pace on the feet. She doesn't pursue the ground when she has a ground advantage enough. Um, there's just not enough there, uh, to really impress me. Meanwhile, Matzo, you know, she can be an absolute killer. Um, the, she has the potential. She has power. She has fast hands. She's aggressive. Um, I mean, she cl- destroyed Shayna Dobson in her bounce back fight. And then most recently, uh, picked up a decision against JJ Aldrich, who was had a lot of momentum and, uh, you know, trains with a great gym. So I think that Matzo is really starting to turn it around here and could become a player at 125 now that she started to figure things out. So I just think Matzo outworks, uh, Kish over the course of three rounds. And I just, even though Kish does have some ability, she just does not pull the trigger. She's not aggressive enough. And I think Matzo just outpoints her, if not potentially finishes her. Um, in a, that three round fight. So I'm going Mazzo. Now moving up to the welterweight division, we have Brian Barbarina, who is 14 and seven taking on Anthony Ivy, who is eight and three. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Barbarina open minus 225, Ivy plus 190. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, we are seeing currently the price Barbarina minus 260, Ivy at plus 220. So a little bit more action coming in Barbarina's way expected. I mean, Barbarina, man, he, he's such a tough out. He's one of these guys in the UFC that you do not want to face because of his style as well. I mean, this guy is tough as nails. He has good cardio. He's relentless. He hits a lot harder than he seems, and he's just a kind of in-your-face grinding type of fighter that is just, like I said, hard, durable, just hard to deal with across the board. So this is a very difficult fight for Ivy, especially coming in off of his UFC debut. There were some high expectations for Ivy. I mean, the guy has some power on the feet, obviously. He's got some wrestling. He's he's pretty good. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he has potential. Looking at the film, you could see where this guy could realistically make a run, you know, in the welterweight division and whatnot. But I don't know. At the same time, I think obviously that loss to Aguilera was not a good look for him. I mean, he, he looked like a fish out of water in that, in that fight. So, uh, I'm sure he's going to bounce back and look a little bit better here, but I think this is a much tougher fight. Barbarina, Aguilar has, I think, more one punch knockout power and it's a different type of fight, but Barbarina is going to be a lot more difficult across the board here in this spot. So not a good look for Ivy here. So I'd be shocked if Ivy does get the win here. Barbarina now, of course, he's been out for a little while. Um, so that's, I guess, interesting. 
to say the least. I mean, he hasn't been fighting as consistently as we'd like to see. Um, really, the last few years, he's only had, I think, three fights total. So um, that might be something to consider. Ivy's a little bit more consistent, been fighting a little bit more actively throughout that time. So I, I think that might help Ivy a little bit. But that being said, Barbarina is one of these savvy vets that ring rust doesn't seem to be a problem either, if that's such a thing. So that being said, hard not to like Barbarina in this fight. I mean, unless Ivy just comes out and sparks him in one punch knockout, you know, something like that, I don't see how he wins this fight. So it's Barbarina for me, and I think he does get it done. As far as the betting window goes, there's probably a little bit of value in Barbarina if you guys want to throw him in a parlay or not. But, I mean, as far as betting him straight at minus 260, I think you do have to apply a little bit of caution because, again, Ivy is an explosive athlete, and he could possibly – you know, catch Barbarine along the way or whatnot. Or I'm am expecting him, like I said, to perform a little bit better than he did in his UFC debut. But that being said, there's probably a little bit of value Barbarina minus two sixty, so I wouldn't blame you guys for throwing him in a parlay or two. Yeah, I like Barbarina quite a bit here. He's just so tough. Like honestly, he is one of the toughest guys on the UFC roster. I mean he can take a shot. Um and he can dish it out. He's got some power. He's got uh some Really good ability in the clinch with elbows and knees. Um, and I think in this fight, at least, um, Anthony Ivy just really disappointed me in that last fight. I thought that he was going to show up and utilize some ground game, get the fight to the floor. And instead he just get, got blasted in a minute by Christian Aguilera. Now, as Nick said, Barbarina isn't as powerful as Aguilera, but he makes up for that with accumulation damage. I mean, this guy can take your best shots and then start dishing it back as you start to to fade. Uh, it worked against Sage Northcutt. It worked against Warley Alves. Um, and then he did it against both Ellenberger brothers. Uh, I mean, the guy is just ferocious. Um, so unless Ivy is able to drag this fight to the floor um, quickly, I think Brian Barbarina just wears him out. And I would not be surprised to see a late first round finish, a sec or a later round finish as this fight drags on a little bit because uh, Barbarina can go and he can still dish it out later in fights, um, as evidenced by a few of his uh, third round or later finishes. So uh, I'm going to side with Brian Barbarina. I think he wins by knockout at some point. Now... Dropping down to a 165-pound catchweight, we have Brock Weaver, who is 15 and 5, taking on Jalen Turner, who is 9 and 5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Turner opened minus 450, the comeback on Brock Weaver, plus 350. This is kind of a newer fight, so not all of the books have it currently up, but obviously by tomorrow it'll be available across the non-best screen. Current market pricing... Minus 325, the comeback around plus 265. So minus 325-ish across the market there for Jalen Turner right now, and he opened minus 450. So the comeback on the dog at plus 350 is now around 265. More action coming in on Weaver here. Of course, that's probably, you know, the way to go as far as the opening price goes. Weaver is a lot more talented than the, you know, 
betting odds, opening betting odds indicated at plus 350 for sure. I mean, Weaver's pretty tough, man. He's just another one of these guys. We're talking about Barbarina. I think I, I see a lot of the same attributes in Weaver in a different way. I mean, Weaver's not on Barbarina's level overall, but I'm just saying he's a tough guy. You take the punishment, puts a lot of pressure. He's a heck of a grinder. He doesn't have bad hands. I think his boxing's actually pretty decent as well. Um, he mixes things up well. And again, he, he knows how to weather that storm and then take advantage of his opponents kind of gassing, wearing down or any mistakes they make. So Weaver is a pretty solid fighter. He's not bad. The only problem here and Turner and him facing Turner is Turner's obviously going to be a little bit longer. He's a lot more dangerous, I think, on the feet overall. And Weaver does eat some punches. Like I said, he's pretty durable, but you know, he can definitely get hit and is probably a little bit too hittable in my opinion overall. And then that's not a good thing for Turner, but Turner does tend to slow down a little bit as the fight progresses. And if he doesn't utilize that decent takedown defense that he has. He could be in some problems along the way here against Weaver. But still, that being said, I think this is a fight catered more towards Turner, obviously. And if Turner fights a patient, smart fight, he shouldn't have many issues here because I think he will win the stand-up exchanges. And I think that Weaver's going to have difficulties getting him to the ground. So my pick is Turner at the current price, though. Even still, you can't bet it at minus 325. you got to stay away from this fight. It's a dog or pass situation because, again, Weaver's a lot better than you know the lines are currently indicating. But that being said, do I think he wins? Probably not. So I'm going to pick Turner to win. My main issue here is, yes, I do think Turner's the better fighter, um, but Turner is taking it on short notice technically because, again, he was supposed to fight earlier uh, just uh, last week and the fight got scrapped. So, I mean, he's, he did go through a fight camp. So I don't think that'll be too much of a factor. Um, and plus it's at a catch weight. So he's not having to cut as much weight. So I don't think it's going to be, uh, too big of a deal that this fight got thrown together at the last minute. Uh, that being said, um, this, what really makes this fight interesting for me is I think Turner's the better striker with more power, but Weaver is very durable. And, and Weaver's not a bad striker, as Nick mentioned. Like, he's got some ability with his hands. Um, so for me, it's going to boil down to Turner probably getting the better of Weaver on the feet. But if Turner tries to finish Weaver on the feet and fails, I can see Weaver turning the tides in this fight in a hurry. Um, I expect this fight to probably stay standing. Um, Weaver could potentially try to get this to the floor to take away Turner's weapons. Uh, because, you know, I don't, I really don't think Turner has that good of a ground game, but, uh, on the feet, Turner should have a clear edge just with his length and his power. And, uh, but as I said, if that, if he starts to slow down, I could totally see Weaver taking over. So I'm picking Turner, but I'm going to exercise caution here because if he like hurts Weaver or really pursues a finish on the feet because he's outlanding him, and fails, I could totally see Weaver picking up a third round knockout. So I'm a little worried about that, but I will pick a, a Turner to win. Now moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Alexander Romanov, who is 11 and 0, taking on Roke Martinez, who is 15, 5 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Another fight that was recently put together, Romanoff minus 400 was the opener, Martinez plus 300, that was a market opener. Another one that's not widely available yet. The current market price is Romanoff minus 310, the comeback plus 255 on Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Romanoff minus 310, the comeback plus 255, yes, on Martinez. So 
Interesting fight. I mean, credits to both guys for stepping in. Obviously, Romanov was supposed to fight recently. Martinez is stepping in on super short notice to take this fight. Good opportunity. A savvy vet. Has a little bit of power in the feet. Has experience against really good competition. Even fought in Japan a few times as well. So, I mean, I'll tell you what. Martinez is definitely a pretty well-rounded heavyweight in this spot. He's going to be a lot smaller, though, and, and I think that's a big issue here. And again, like I said, he's taking this fight on short notice. So Romanov was expected to make his UFC debut. Um, and stylistically, these guys kind of match up well. They're, they're similar in a lot of ways because they both have decent wrestling and they both like to throw hands as well. So I think we'll see a pretty good fight overall. I just think that Romanov should be able to control this fight overall. I think he should be able to dictate where it goes. And again, the size should come into play here as well. So, but at the current line, you can't bet it. I mean, one punch for Martinez, he's going to have some speed. He could catch the chin of Romanov. Romanov is still one of these guys that's undefeated, but there's you know some question marks surrounding him because, you know, level competition has been okay, but not the greatest either. So Martinez in this spot could play spoiler here. So it's another fight that you can't really lay the chalk here. It's a dog or pass situation, and that's why you're seeing the dog kind of drop in price. But again, another spot. That being said, even though the line is overpriced, I have to lean Romanov because I think he's in a good position here to get the W. So my pick is Romanov, but it is probably a dog or pass situation. For me personally, I would stay away from this fight. Watch it. Two big boys. Somebody's probably going to get knocked out. So my pick is Romanov to win. And I'm also going to go Romanov. I mean, Martinez feels like uh they kind of pulled him out of a hat here on the short notice to stepping in to, to get the, this fight. Um, he does have some ability. I mean, he has quite a few finishes out of his last, uh, five wins. They are all finishes in the first round, except for one, uh, which was a second round. But, uh, my main issue with Martinez is that his last two losses are against, you know, a Mirko Krokop near the end of his career who was able to finish him in the first round. And his other loss was a split decision loss to Ultimate Fighter and Ryzen veteran Jake Hewn. So, I mean, Martinez does have some skill and some finishing ability, but I'm just, I just think, uh, Romanov is much more reliable here. I mean, this guy, he takes people down, he beats them up, he chokes them out, he gets ground and pound. His last fight, he even won with a slam. So I think that Romanov can take Martinez out of his game a little bit. Maybe on the feet, it could get interesting just because Martinez is powerful and, and he can end a fight there. But I think Romanov, the most likely thing that happens here is Romanov drags Martinez to the ground and then starts going to work against him. Uh, he's already done it against some decent fighters. And I think uh he probably will take Martinez down and either submit him or ground and pound him at some point. So my pick is going to be Romanov. Now dropping down to the lightweight division, we have a matchup that has been thrown together at the last minute. It doesn't even have betting odds yet between Roosevelt Roberts, who is 10 and two and Kevin Kroom, who is 21 and 12. Um, Kroom is typically a featherweight, so he's moving up a weight class on short notice to make his UFC debut. He was supposed to do it about two weeks ago, but got yanked from a fight after saying initially subbing in uh, for Giga Chikadze. So, you know, he's been ready to make his UFC debut, but I don't think he was expecting to face somebody this good up a weight class. Um, Kroom does have some ability. I mean, he's on a three-fight win streak, but... Um, he's up a weight class. He, before that three fight win streak, he lost five out of seven fights. 
Um, and Roosevelt Roberts is a pretty established, solid UFC lightweight that has an advantage just about everywhere in this fight. So Nick and I are both going to be picking Roosevelt Roberts to win, even though uh, odds are not currently available. Now, dropping down to the women's bantamweight division, we have Julia Avila, who is eight and one, taking on Cesara Eubanks, who is five and four. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Avila open minus 300 to come back on Eubanks plus 250. And right now over at Circus Sports, we are seeing minus 295 plus 250. So solid opening line, well priced. And I think it's very fair to be honest with you. Um, if anything, there's probably a little bit of value in Avila. And that's crazy because I know Eubanks is a very solid fighter. I mean, she's got basically the total package. Good grappling. Wrestling is obviously her best attribute, but her boxing is getting better. She puts pressure on, but. She get outpointed, as we've seen in the past as well. She starts to slow down as the fight progresses a little bit, which is not a good thing. And here in this matchup against Avila, if she doesn't get the fight to the ground, she's probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. Avila is one of these fighters that is on the rise. I mean, the hype around her right now is is definitely amongst the best in the UFC as far as ladies go. It's up there, right? I mean, as far as new prospects and potential overall from the MMA community and the betting community in general. So Avila is a hot commodity right now, and this is kind of catered for her to win this fight, and I think she should. I mean, I think this is going to be one of the most difficult tests she has because the you know, stylistic matchup issues that Eubanks could present here against Avila, but I think Avila's game and she's more than capable of handling all those and, and just keeping this fight upright and just kind of dictating the fight with her striking. So, I mean, obviously Avila does have some good grappling to go along with this. So I wouldn't be surprised even if she takes an opportunity to catch Eubanks' back or, you know, take her back or something like that. But um, I think overall these girls should kind of neutralize each other out on the ground a little bit. We might see some fun scrambles or whatnot, but I think what gets it done for Vila obviously is on the feet and she should outpoint Eubanks and do some damage probably along the way. So the pick is a Vila for me. And at the current price, it's another one of these spots where it's, it's kind of tough to bet. I think the line's probably, like I said, appropriately set. So you just have to kind of sit back and wait and see if there's any line movement. If you're going to bet this fight, or again, maybe another spot where you throw a Vila in a small, tiny parlay for fun or something like that. But outside of that, it's, it's kind of tough where the line is. So my pick is a Vila. And I'm going to agree here. Uh, Avila is, a dangerous, powerful striker uh, in the women's bantamweight division. Um, she's someone that I think has a lot of hype. Now we got to be careful with these up and coming hyped female prospects. We saw what happened with Agapova just uh, two weeks ago, but um, there's still, I really think that she could be a player at bantamweight. The one thing though, that she hasn't really been tested yet is the ground game. Um, on the feet, she's ferocious. She's already been in there against some good strikers and Pani Kianzad and just was able to win a decision against her. And then she just annihilated her most recent opponent in 22 seconds. So, um, she is a very, very capable striker. Uh, Eubanks, however, does have a decent ground game and decent wrestling. It's a lot more effective when she's fighting at flyweight because she is able to cut a ton of weight and utilize a size advantage. And she's not going to have that here. So, you know, that's why she's kind of struggled uh, so far in her UFC run. Um, so I think what happens here is uh, Avila is able to fend off uh, Eubanks's takedown attempts and she should just go to work on the feet. She's just by far the better striker here. Um, Eubanks might be able to get this to the floor early, but she also fades in fights, and Avila has a 
can go for days on the feet. So I don't see Avila slowing down. I think she takes over as this fight wears on if you even if Eubanks does get early takedowns. So um, my pick's going to be Avila. Eubanks does have a path to victory here, but I just don't know if she can consistently keep this fight on the ground in top position against Avila. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Billy Corintio, who is 14 and 2, taking on Kyle Nelson, who is 13 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Quarantillo open minus 300 to come back on Nelson at plus 250. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing Quarantillo at minus 260 to come back on Nelson plus 220. And we did recently get some action back on Quarantillo. The line dropped a little bit. Um, actually coming in Nelson's way. Now we're seeing some action back on Quarantillo as well. Look, this is an interesting fight for sure. I got to respect Nelson as the underdog here somewhat. I think Quarantillo wins a fight, so I'll get it out there pretty early in this breakdown, but I think Nelson is a dangerous opponent and you got to be careful laying over 225, 230, 240, 260 right now where the price is. You got to be a little bit cautious because Nelson is such a front runner and a dangerous one that he mixes things up very well and he has that finishing ability, especially early on in the fight. But the better technical fighter overall is definitely Quarantillo. I think Quarantillo has better stamina. I think he's a little bit more I don't want to say durable, but because I, I think Quarantillo does – obviously, he's hittable. He hangs in there. He is tough. To have, both these guys are pretty tough, but I think Quarantillo is a little bit better defensively sound. And again, with the stamina, as this fight progresses, I think it should benefit him. I think round one will be the closer round. Of course, there could be a finish in round one. These guys definitely are possibly are capable of doing so. But as the fight progresses, definitely switches over to Quartillo. So I think Quartillo is more than capable of winning on the scorecards or getting a late finish here. And if Nelson wins, I think it's probably an early finish. So Quartillo, far more technical. I think he's more well-rounded overall as well. And I think he gets it done here. So my pick is Quartillo. But at the betting window, like minus 260, I think you have to be cautious and kind of stay away from it because the value is probably all gone at this point. So the pick is Quartillo. Yeah, the biggest difference between these fighters, as Nick mentioned, is that Quarantillo is the more well-rounded of the the two. Uh, Nelson is very dangerous, especially early. He's very powerful. So while Quarantillo, I think, is st- actually the better striker of the two and the more well-rounded and diverse striker, uh, Nelson is the more powerful, dangerous striker. So Nelson potentially could score a first-round finish uh, if he wins. Uh, it would probably be a first-round knockout, but Quarantillo can take a hit. He's got a pretty good chin on him, um, and Quarantillo is more well-rounded. I mean, he has a—he's a solid Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, credentials, and if he wants to, I think he can take this fight to the ground and utilize his grappling combined with his striking. So um, there's just more ways to win here for Quarantillo. The only thing that really scares me in this fight is that Quarantillo is recovering from COVID-19. So um, if he has any adverse effects, if he's a little bit slower, a little bit weaker, um, that could give Nelson uh, an opening. So I'm a little concerned about that. But other than that, uh, I do think that Carnotillo is clearly the superior fighter of the two. So as long as he doesn't get caught and as long as COVID hasn't drained him in some way, Carnotillo should win this fight. So he's my pick. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Alan Patrick, who is 15 and 2, taking on Bobby Green, who is 26, 10 and 1. Now, Nick, 
Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Green open minus 185, the comeback on Patrick plus 145. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is green minus 268, the comeback on Patrick at plus 228. So needless to say, that minus 185, the minus under 200s or whatever, that value is long gone. I think people made the right decision betting green up a little bit. I think it's a nightmare for Patrick, to be honest with you. Patrick is a very good grinder, grappler, has a little bit of power on the feet, but nothing spectacular really. So he needs to make Make this an ugly, boring type of fight if he's going to win this fight, get top position, grind against a cage, just kind of slow the pace of this fight down where Green wants to keep a little bit of space, work his stand-up game because he has a huge advantage over Patrick in that area, of course. And, of course, sprawl and brawl, stuff those takedown attempts from Patrick, keep the fight upright, and just make this fight a miserable one for Patrick. And Patrick has a little bit of quit in him in the past. We've seen it as well. I mean, he has some quality wins, so I'm not disrespecting Patrick. I know he's kind of a handful to deal with, but in this situation with the momentum Green has on his side right now, I think it's a great fight for him. So I think he stuffs the takedown attempts, and I think he just batters Patrick on the feet. So should be Green's fight to win. I think there's a little bit of value left at this price at minus 268. I would more so put him in a parlay than a straight bet at this point. Because again, if you could have got minus 185 and now it's minus 268, most of the value is out the window. But if you're going to look to throw somebody in a parlay, I wouldn't blame you for putting green in there. So my pick is green. I think he kind of cruises in this fight. It might be interesting at times, but overall, I think you should get the W here pretty clear. And I'm right with you. Uh, The main thing here is that green is just the more well-rounded and dangerous fighter of the two. You know, Alan Patrick is a grinder. Um, he likes to close the distance and repeatedly, tenaciously look for takedowns. And he's not that gr- a great wrestler, but he wears people down and, uh, and he can repeatedly pick up takedowns. Uh, I think Green's wrestling is good enough to avoid that part of Patrick's game. And if you take that away from Patrick, there's really not that much left. I know he does come from a striking background, but Watching him fight, he mainly likes to to put some pressure on his opponents and pursue takedowns and just try to ugly the fight up. And I think Green is a savvy enough veteran to fight his fight. Uh, Green should get the better of the stand-up exchanges. And I think Green is good enough to uh, avoid getting taken down, or if he does get taken down, to, to work to get back up and get back to work. So... Uh, I like Bobby Green here. I think he's got some nice momentum and I don't think Patrick can really threaten him with much other than potentially, uh, trying to, to grind this out and win a, an ugly decision. But I, I think Green will score enough points to, to keep that from happening. So Green is going to be my pick as well. Now moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Ed Herman, who is 24 and 14, taking on Mike Rodriguez, who is 11 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Rodriguez open minus 170, the comeback on Herman at plus 145. And right now looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing minus 250 for Rodriguez, the comeback on Herman at plus 215. So another spot where the favorite got bet up, and I think appropriately so. Look, I have a ton of respect for Herman. In fact, Brian and I picked him on the last podcast where he was supposed to fight. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for him. But I'm just saying that the talent is still there. Unbelievable that Herman is still competing at a high level this long in his UFC career. I mean, the guy's been around for a long time. He's fought the best of the best, you know, throughout the middleweight division. And now of course, up to light heavyweight as well. Herman has had a ton of experience and he's a solid fighter. He's a tough out for most people. Unfortunately for him in this spot, he's a dog 
to Rodriguez because Rodriguez, again, presents a lot of problems for him. Herman doesn't always rely on his wrestling, and I think against a guy like Rodriguez, that's going to be a, a real issue because Herman's a little bit slower than he used to be. He can't kind of maneuver out of the way as quickly. He's a lot more hittable. I think his chin has always been durable, but it is getting a little bit more suspect as, again, he ages and time goes on, and Rodriguez is definitely an explosive type of finisher on the feet. So if Rodriguez can kind of get this fight going his way early on because he's more of a front runner as well. I think if Herman's going to win this fight, he needs to kind of extend this and try to take this in deep waters, wear Rodriguez down and, and make this kind of an ugly brawl type of fight. And then Herman has a shot, especially if he tries to utilize some takedowns late and he is the better overall grappler in this spot as well. So Herman does have some advantage in this fight, but that being said, again, it's 2020 Rodriguez overall has looked pretty good and he is definitely the more, capable finisher on the feet, I think, at this point of their career. So I understand why line got bet up. I do favor Rodriguez in this spot as well. I just think it's a tough matchup for Herman, and I'm going to pick Rodriguez to win. Now, where the current line is at right now, minus 250-ish is kind of tough, again, because I don't have that much confidence in Rodriguez. I mean, he still definitely has some defensive holes in his game. And again, if Herman can weather that early storm, maybe he can exploit those holes. So you got to be careful as the line progresses here as well. My pick is going to be Rodriguez. I'm probably going to pass this fight where it's at now, though. And I'm going to go with Rodriguez as well. I just think that he's going to be – he's the younger, faster, bigger, longer, more powerful striker of the two. Um, I expect this fight to stay standing for the most part, and Rodriguez has several advantages there. The only thing I'm really concerned about is that Rodriguez is a little chinny, and Herman, even though he moved up to light heavyweight – his power actually seems like it's increased since moving up a weight class. Um, so if Herman connects with something, Rodriguez could get put out. He di- We've already seen Rodriguez get knocked out in the UFC in just over a minute um, I, in uh, his fight against Jung. So I expect Rodriguez to win, but I'm not ruling out the possibility that Herman could connect with something. Um, Rodriguez is just... In a better place right now, he's still improving at this point in his career, while Herman is nearing the end of his, I feel like. So um, these fighters are both definitely moving in different directions. Um, I think Herman's move up to light heavyweight was more a career-prolonging attempt. And uh, Rodriguez, I think, has the potential to uh, you know beat some pretty decent guys at light heavyweight. He just has to protect that chin. And as long as he protects the chin against Herman, he should win this. So Rodriguez is my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Andrea Lee, who is 11-4, rematching Roxanne Mataferi, who is 24-17. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Opening line, Lee minus 240, Matafari plus 205. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 315 for Lee. The comeback on Matafari at plus 265. So again, no confidence in the dog here. The betting favorite got bet up. Lee minus 242. Right now, minus 315. She lost the original matchup. This is a rematch from a few years back where, again, Lee was a huge favorite in that fight, and Matafari pulled off the upset. So we could see a repeat of history here. I'll tell you what, man. I have a ton of respect. Those of you guys that have listened to the podcast in the past, you know how much respect I have for Matafari. She is one of these fighters that just has put the work in and, and really tightened up her overall game. She's always been a pretty good 
grappler, capable grappler. She usually, you know, excels over her opponents on the ground, but getting the fight to the floor, her wrestling, her takedowns, and her stand-up game always needed some work, and she's put in the work, and it shows. I mean, she's definitely no slouch on the feet anymore. She's capable of getting the fight to the floor. Matafari has gotten herself to a point in her career where I, I didn't really expect personally, so I, again, hats off to her. I have a ton of respect for her, but that being said, Lee, younger opponent, I think she's a little bit faster. I mean, redemption is definitely on her mind. It was a pretty competitive fight last time, but Matafari had the ground edge. I think Lee's going to be a little bit better prepared in this matchup. But at the betting line, at minus 315, there's no way you can lay the chalk here. Matafari always underrated. And if this was a lot closer, obviously, of a line, then, of course, you can kind of lean towards Lee, maybe even put a small wager on her. But at minus 315, that's not the way to go. I don't care if Lee wins this fight comfortably. You don't lay the chalk in this spot because this is going to be a more difficult test than people imagine. I think for Lee, I know the hype's on her a little bit more, and she needs to kind of get back on track and roll off a few wins here and get towards a title shot because I think a lot of people are expecting that from Andrea Lee. But again, Matafari has played spoiler time and time again, and this is going to be a difficult matchup. I think he needs to fight smart, utilize her speed, try to bust Matafari up on the feet, maybe get top position if she's capable of doing so on the ground as well. Just has to avoid Matafari being on top of her on the ground and, and kind of making this an ugly fight. And I think even so, not ultra confident, but I do think Lee gets the redemption here and wins this rematch. So my pick is Lee, but it's a dogger pass situation at the betting window. I know that Roxanne Mataferi is 37 years old, but she already did defeat Andrea Lee by close decision back in Invicta. And honestly, looking at the way these two have performed since, it's Mataferi that has actually made the bigger improvements since that fight. It, Mataferi took some serious strides to improve her striking. Now, I still think Andrea Lee is the better striker of the two, but Mataferi's closed the gap to the point where she's not going to be embarrassed on the feet by Lee. And I think that she's going to actually force Lee to respect her striking a little bit. Um, and I think that will actually open up more opportunities for Mataferi to take the fight to the ground where she has an advantage. So I actually like Mataferi here. Uh, to, to pull off the upset again, like she did last time as a huge underdog against Lee in Invicta. Um, Modafferi has the ground edge. Modafferi should be as good, if not better, in the clinch. And Modafferi definitely has the ability to potentially submit or at least hold top position like she has done against other, uh, opponents that had a striking edge on her, like Antonina Shevchenko and, uh, more recently, Macy Barber. So um, you also have to remember, Andrea Lee, you know, it's not like she's on a winning streak or anything. She's lost two decisions in a row. So I think Modafferi can potentially make it three. So uh, I think the stand-up will slightly lean Lee's way, but I think Modafferi can make this interesting enough to close that distance and drag this fight to the floor. So um Yes, if it stays standing for three rounds, Lee probably wins. But Monteferi, I you can't underestimate her at this point. She's pulled off too many upsets uh, against good prospects. And I know the UFC is behind Lee a little bit more, but uh, Monteferi is too good uh, to, to, to discount here. So I'm going to go with Monteferi as a, a big underdog. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening, we have Kama Worthy, who is 16-6. and six taking on lightweight opponent Atman Azaitar, who is 12-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 
Zaitar open minus 125, worthy plus 105. And right now over at Circus Sports, we are seeing a Zaitar as a dog now. So worthy is actually the favorite, minus 129. The comeback in a Zaitar at plus 109. So the line went from a Zaitar minus 125 to a dog at plus 109. Line flip, more actually coming in Worthy's way. A lot more confidence in Worthy these days than in his UFC debut, obviously. I mean, he's coming off of some tremendous wins, and the guy is a good fighter. I mean, he's been around the sport for a long time, and he finally got his opportunity recently in the UFC, which I'm always glad to see that because, again, guys that have been competing outside of the UFC for a while trying to earn their spot on the roster that's had some success like Worthy has. I mean, it's always good to see when they finally make it and when they start having success. Devontae Smith, that was a huge win for him. Pena was even a bigger win, I think, for him in his last fight. So he's looking to make it three in a row against Azatar. I just think this is going to be a very difficult matchup for him, though, as well. I mean, both these guys like to stand and bang. Both these guys are capable finishers. So it's going to be an exciting fight. But I think Azaitar in this spot is probably getting underestimated. I mean, I understand that Worthy's going to have a little bit of length, and he's got that knockout power, and now he's even showed some submission skill as well. But Azaitar has pretty good takedown defense. He's got explosive power in his own right, and if there's a kryptonite to Worthy's game, it's that chin. I mean, uh, you know, he's a, he definitely has a suspect chin, and Azaitar has that kind of knockout power that can put him to sleep. So this is kind of a finish waiting to happen either way, and if you're going to have a shot at as Zaitar plus money here. I think that is the way to go, to be honest with you. Again, I know Worthy has gained the respect of fans and the betting community overall. I understand it, but Zaitar is being a little bit underestimated here, and I think he can win this fight. So my pick is going to be a Zaitar, and I think there is some value at the plus money, regardless of the price. So if it's plus 109, plus 22, plus 12, whatever the case may be that's out there right now market-wide, there is some value at, with a Zaitar plus money. And I have to go with Azaitar as well. Uh, Kama Worthy has impressed so far in the UFC, pulling off back-to-back upsets and not just getting the upset, finishing his opponent. So, uh, you know, I have to have major respect for Kama Worthy uh, with his performances against Devontae Smith and Luis Pena. But you have to remember why Worthy was an underdog. Um, it was because he has a history of getting knocked out quickly by powerful opponents. Um, he's been knocked out in the first minute of the first round multiple times throughout his career. Um, granted, he is on a nice win streak here, but uh, you ha- you cannot forget that. And uh, Azaitar is extremely powerful. I mean, this guy's undefeated. He has picked up multiple first round finishes. In fact... Looking back, in his last 11 fights, uh, I believe he has finished his opponent in the first round in nine of them. So, uh, I mean, this guy is a ferocious finisher, a ferocious finisher. And if he connects with Worthy, he's going to put him out. I mean, that's just plain and simple what's going to happen. It just, what it boils down to is, will Worthy be able to protect his chin long enough to potentially drag this fight into deeper waters where Azaitar is a little bit untested. He has gone to decision once, but, and he does have a third round knockout on his, on his mark, but uh, he is a little untested in that department. Um, and we have seen Worthy pick up uh, a late finish like he did in his last fight with Luis Pena. So uh, I, I don't think conditioning will be a problem for Worthy. So maybe he can try to wear Azaitar out, but I just don't know if Worthy can avoid that big bomb for the first five minutes or even the first 10 minutes of this fight. So I'm going to side with Azaitar. I think he stays undefeated. And I think 
uh, he finally uh, connects with Worthy and hands him his first UFC loss. But Worthy has uh, denied. I, I've been wrong both times in Worthy's last two fights. I could be wrong again. Now, moving on to the main event in the women's strawweight division, we have Michelle Waterson, who is 17 and 8, taking on Angela Hill, who is 12 and 8. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Hill opened minus 170, the comeback on Watterson at plus 145. And right now what we have over at Circus Sports is Hill minus 124, the comeback on Watterson at plus 104. So line dropped significantly. If you guys were able to grab Watterson at plus 45, again, hats off to you. I think there was some extreme value there. This is going to be a competitive fight. I understand the narrative here is that Hill's on the rise, and this is kind of her spot to win this fight. I, I, You know, I can't deny that. I think Hill's looked really good. She's improved quite a bit from having basically only a striking background when she entered the Ultimate Fighter to the point where she is now. It's been phenomenal. Another spot where we were talking about Matafari earlier, well, Hill's put it in the work, and she's rounded out her game quite a bit. I mean, her takedown defense is much better. Her grappling defense is much better as well. And then, of course, striking has always been good. She pushes a decent pace at times, more of a counter striker um, than you'd like to see. I, I would wish she kind of did have a little bit of an uptick as far as offense at times. But again, she can be effective with her striking, clean, technical, and that's the way she gets the fights done most of the time. And her last fight against Gadelia, I think that was a very good fight for her despite the loss. That was a controversial loss. A lot of people believe that Hill got the W there. But defensively, I was glad to see her kind of, you know, not kind of fall into the ground game and, and just – look like a fish out of water on the ground against a very capable fighter like Adela. So that shows me a lot, but styles make fights. And this fight is definitely a different type of matchup. Cause I think Watterson is more capable of hanging with Hill on the feet. Of course she has that unorthodox karate type of style on the feet. She throws a lot of kicks. Her movement's a little bit different as well. So I think Hill does have the overall advantage on the feet, but Watterson's going to hang in there and be competitive on the feet. But the ground game, it's where it's at for Watterson still. Despite all the improvements I just mentioned with Hill getting better defensively, I still think she is a little bit vulnerable on the ground. And if Watterson can find her spot, take her back, or in a scramble, whatever the case may be, I think Watterson can definitely present some problems and maybe even finish Hill along the way. So to me, this fight is going to be a competitive fight. If it's a scorecards, we're going to see a very close decision, maybe even a split decision type of fight. If it doesn't hit the scorecards, it's probably because Watterson has won by submission. I don't think we're in the spot where Hill's going to finish Watterson. I think Watterson's way too durable, but I think there's opportunities along the way in a five-round fight for Watterson to actually submit Hill. And on top of that, if it hits the scorecards, even though I give the slight edge to Hill, I still think Watterson's going to be close enough in game enough to make it interesting there as well. So really the value was definitely on the underdog and it's a dog or pass situation for me still at this point, despite the improvements of Hill, I think it's still going to be a competitive fight and I'm going to pick Watterson to actually win it straight out again. Five rounds is a long time to go. I understand if Hill could keep up the defense and she could take a big step forward after this fight, if she gets a W here over Watterson, I think it, it is going to definitely go a long way in, in continuing her rise and climb towards a title shot. So that would be a big win. So I'm not so sure she gets it though. So I'm going to pick Watterson here. The still the more well-rounded fighter and the more capable fighter. So I got to kind of lean her way. It's a dog or pass situation at the betting window as well. So my pick is Watterson. And I'm going to go the other way. I, I do think that Hill has made enough improvements that she could pick this win up. Um, my main thing here is I think Hill's the better striker of the two. She's the more dangerous striker, the more powerful striker. Uh, Watson does mix it up a little bit better with her kicking game, but um, there's just not enough pop 
behind Watterson's strikes. You never really see her hurting her opponents that badly on the feet. Um, I think if these girls are trading on the feet, it's going to be Hill that does the most damage between them. Um, as Nick mentioned, though, um, Watterson does have a big advantage if it does go to the ground. We've seen Hill get submitted earlier in her MMA career by Carla Esparza on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, we saw her get submitted by Rosnama Yunus. And more recently, uh, Randa Marcos did pick up an armbar against her about a year and a half ago. So uh, that's still a possibility that the ground game is a, a weakness. But uh, a positive for Hill was the fact that in her last fight, I mean, she went toe-to-toe with Claudia Gadelia, former title challenger, uh, and one of the top wrestlers and grapplers in the women's strawweight division, and she did not get submitted. In fact, uh, even after getting taken down, you know, she held her own and arguably won that fight. I mean, I thought uh, she did win that fight and ended up losing a split decision. So uh, I think Hill has a lot to offer right now and is trending upwards with her stock in the UFC. Meanwhile, I think Watterson is on the way down. Uh, Watterson is, uh, you know, she took a beating in the young Jaychuk fight. And since then she lost that close decision to Carla Esparza, you know, nothing real bad about that one, but, um, I do feel like, uh, you know, she, I feel like she's peaked at this point. I don't see her climbing any higher than where she currently is. So, uh, where I still see, see some, some potential in Hill, uh, if this fight stays standing, and I think Hill can keep it standing because Watterson really doesn't have a lot of wrestling to her game, um, then I think Hill can outpoint Watterson. I think Hill potentially could finish Watterson. Uh, she does have some power, and we've seen Watterson get hurt with a, by Rose when she fought her. So, um, I think this fight will be close, but I'm leaning Hill. I think, uh, she might be able to, uh, pull this one out primarily with uh, her defensive improvements on the ground and with uh, her advantage on the feet. So Hill is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Vegas 10. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB premium on Twitter. You can also check out the free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Make sure to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.